Hairdressing, business, beauty, products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge and welcome to Hair Life. Can you do me a favor? Hit the subscribe button or the share button wherever you can see it. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to Hair Life with me, Nathan Plumridge. Now, my guest today, well, what can I say about this man? He's my coach, he's my sounding board, and he's also like one of my best mates, and we're here together. I can't believe it. I'm very excited. Welcome, Mr. Tom Anthony Johnson. How are you, my friend? I'm well, Nathan. Thank you for having me on the show. It's nice to finally be here after... Uh... After talking about it for a long time, so it was great, great setup, and great to see how you're getting on. It's been a long time coming, so we're here, Tom. So, for my listeners, generally, what I quite like to do is give them a bit of an introduction. But I tell you what, introduce yourself, Tom. Um, so my name is Tom Johnson. I am former professional rugby player. Uh, played for England in my time. Uh, Exeter Chiefs for ten years, and based my family down here um, since leaving rugby. Being really big into sort of the well-being and particularly the fitness side of things um, and currently I'm just working still working with a number of clients um, as I, I think it's it's massively improved my ability to coach by understanding exactly how people um, differ and how they sort of how they get themselves up in the morning and what really makes them tick um, and I'm also developing a well-being uh, platform for children um, as sort of my my bigger calling has sort of come back about to what my big why. Um, so I'm just trying to see if there's a way we can uh, help young people sort of ingrain habits that are going to last some lifestyle a, a lifetime. So that's sort of that's my current venture at the moment. So big change from rugby ultimately, which was a huge part of your life for how many years? So started. I got my first professional contract when I was 23. Um, so I played for 13 years or so, um, and retired on a high. But being being able to uh, lift the Premiership with Exeter Chiefs, so we sort of went through a whole road, roller coaster journey. From um, and it's brilliant. We went from winning the championship and days in the championship, which was some um, some really good sort of really find out a lot about yourself and about the team, and then the journey into the Premiership and then into European Cups and then travelling abroad playing the likes of the big the big sort of French super clubs, Toulon, Clermont Auvergne. Um and then and, and doing that as a team that was just on a journey and just going, right, well, what how far can we go with this? How far can we go? And then sort of the professionalism sort of really set in um probably three or four years before when we start to regularly hit sort of top top five, top four, regular premiership finalists. And you realise, crikey, we're actually we're pretty good at this. And we can make it more about sustainability, whereas before it was just like, let's just go and give it a crack. It was just, it, and, and we played rugby with that intent, and that's that was my happiest times definitely when we were just giving it a go, playing playing it from sort of everywhere. And we found out what what, what we found out the reason we did it is to find out our boundaries and find out find out what can we do. And we we then started to um, bring it into more focus about the areas of risk and the areas of reward and where we can get, where we can basically dominate games and where we can put ourselves, give ourselves the best chance of winning games rather than putting ourselves under the, under the cosh with sort of um, 
needlessly. And is there a moment, because I always look back for me um, at the wreck at Bristol, watching that when you achieved that winning and moving into the premiership. I mean, for me, that was an incredible experience. I was on a bus load with like 100 people. It was just, it was like carnage. I mean, absolutely carnage. I can't imagine what it must have been like for you boys. Well, we we sort of like we knew having over two legs. Like, let's be honest, that 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 season and the change up of the format massively benefited us, and it gave us a real um, it gave us a real chance. And I think for the first time, we we're like, right, this isn't this is this is about just getting to the final, you know. And then it's like one off games rather than the, the seasons before. We were playing like Leeds and they, over the course of the season, they sort of got the, the, the better of us on a couple of dodgy calls that we made in that season. <laughs> um, I think we, we played like a double header one time because got, one got rained off and we we're playing a team in Birmingham. And they, they were, it, it was a cup final, semi-final, it was, sorry, it was, a, it was a, a semi-final to the cup and the league in a one game, so winner takes all. And they were well out of the running from a league point of view, but they were, had a chance to go to Twickenham for the final. And they turned up and beat us, and we should have, and we're like, and that had a huge impact. Not only did we not get to the final, but also it took us out of the running for the, um, for the league, and we wow. just like absolutely shot ourselves in the foot to make it a double header and give them every opportunity to, to beat us. Um, so that was a huge learn on. But then the, the final itself, we, I think we had a really narrow lead going into the final. I think we won by like three points here or something like that. Um, and then Rob, to be fair, like half time, he came in. And whether it's true or not, he was like, "Look, guys, we've seen we've seen them at the beginning of the at the beginning of the game. They rolled in their crates of champagne. They always think they've got this one. And master stroke on him or just just complete um, codswallop." <laughs> He, it fired us up like you wouldn't believe. They were like, they think they've got this one, and we went out and blew them away. And it was, a, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. That game in the end, we just kept tapping it away, and we just beat them in their own backyard. I always, I always, I'm always amazed at the the halftime talk, and we're going to get to what the show is about the second half in a minute. But I always think I'm always amazed at how there can be that momentum shift in a halftime speech like what is that power what is it that can happen when a coach is that good is it do they have to say anything or do they well to be honest there's some there's some like that was clearly pretty script like that was scripted (laughs) right you know coaches they they have to give an awful lot of thought about their their pre-match speech the halftime speech and things need to sort of adjust on the fly depending on how that first half has gone but it probably played right into his hands um, how the first half was gone. We, we, we were up. We, we thought we played. Um, we'd had a decent half. And it was, I think, we were, I don't know, t- eight points ahead or something mm-hmm. like that. So 11 points in aggregate ahead. And we're like, we're, th- th- it's in sight here. So he just needs to give us that little bit of, um, that little bit of uh, motivation just to, to really solidify and make things personal for us. And that's the, that's the, that's the key thing for for coaches is to make you make you sort of like realize that it's personal mm-hmm. it's you against the opposition and this you know that half of rugby changed my life absolutely um, that game of rugby changed my life because do you know what you got championship players who are then who are suddenly premiership players premiership players then have more exposure chances to um, 
chances to play at a potentially higher level, mm-hmm. but also financially. It's like suddenly you go from prem- so from a championship salary to premiership salaries. And then you, and if you do, if you, if you carry on and you improve and you stay in the league, you're going to have a much better chance of paying your mortgage, of living, living where you want to live. And, and make it, so it's not just that rugby game it has huge impacts on sort of the wider, your wider life. And obviously like looking at your career, so it was 10 years at Chiefs, is that right? Yeah. So then stepping into the premiership, you then had the, the call up, you had, you're going to play for England. What was that like? It was like the crazy thing. I was, I was about to go on a stack due to um, to Las Vegas with my best mate, <laughs> and, got, and got the call and got the call that we were getting fitted for our suits in London prior to flying out. Um, and it was like um, Graham Rowntree rang me up, and you, you hear rumours and bits and bobs, and that we'd had a really good first season and managed to play for the Saxons that year. And then we were doing well again in the second season. Everyone was like, oh, last season was a fluke. And we were very, you know, as a, as a sort of band of brothers, we were so closely knitted because everyone thought we were going to fail. And, you know, as a team, it's like, well, that's quite, that's, that's a team talk done. Like Rob probably thought, probably, Rob loved it because it was, um, Rob was like, like the team talk's done. Every t- everyone was like, well, this team think they're better than you. It's like, well, okay, we're going to prove them we're not. We're, we're, they're, they're not. Um, so I, we had a really, we had a great couple of years when we were just living off that that sort of underdog ta- underdog tag, and it was and it was brilliant. Um, and you hear bits and rumours, and I got to the end of the season injury free, having had another decent season. Um, and then you get rumour mills and people, and uh, he rang me up and said, "We want you to come training. We're going to take you to South Africa. You're going to be involved in the Barbarians game in like ten days." Uh, we'll see you on Monday. This is on a Thursday. I was like, I was like, sweet, brilliant. Thanks very much. Uh, looking forward to it. Like getting su- getting suited for us for a wedding. Um, I turned around to my mate. I said, um, so good news and bad news. Um, uh, bad news. I can't come on your stag um, or all of it. The the good news is I'm going to South Africa. And by the way, I'm also going to miss your wedding. <laughs> And I was his best. And I, was, I was his best man. I did not go down. I was his best man. No, he's he's brilliant. So I went to Vegas for two nights, and then rocked up on the Monday, um, having slept for sort of twenty four hours, and went into like a three. We had like a four day camp, and then we got prepared for the barbarians for the following week, and then we flew out. Um, and he was brilliant. So I sent him a video when we were in South Africa, and told him when I got my. Um, when we arrived for that first test, the week building into it, sort of getting pulled aside, go, you're going to earn your first cap, we're going to start you, um, was like a huge, a huge moment for me. And it was the first person I text and sent a video saying, look, I know look, I know this is worth it because I've just been called up. I'm going to be, barring injury, I think I'm going to be starting um, in Durban on Saturday. So it was unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. And so you had 10 caps. Eight caps. Eight caps. And your last game... What was that? So when to in uh, 2014 we toured New Zealand mm-hmm. and for, like couldn't really have scripted any better for me from a personal journey because I'm very much I've, I've got huge sort of imposter syndrome. I was like, what am I doing here? Like even when I played, even when I played my first in the first test, I saw these huge South Africans come running out of the tunnel, and I sat there kicking myself, going, "What on earth is like?" 
I used to run around at like Oxford Brooks University, like go with with, with booze, with drink, like be just a great crack. And then all of a sudden, I'm stood up, stood up, stood at like on this international field. Um, and then the last cap was I was on the bench, but we played New Zealand um, in <clears throat> where was it? Capital of New Auckland. Auckland, yeah. So Auckland. And then facing the hacker, and I was just like, "This is like this is like a, a this is a, a bucket list." <laughs> Being able to stand on the field and face the hacker whilst it was happening, and we really nearly won that test. And it was just it was, it was brilliant just to be part of, and it was a great way to sort of. Uh, although I didn't know it at the time, I could look back and, and say and say that I've done that is a hugely proud moment and something something that not a huge amount of people have done. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I mean, just to finish, I mean, I just can't even imagine. I always get goosebumps whenever I watch a hacker, anyway, and to then suddenly think you're there, what fifteen, twenty feet away. I mean, just mentally unbelievable. Well, I can imagine pinching yourself. I was, but I also like I was also like giggling a little bit inside because I was on the bench. So there's a lot less pressure when you're on the bench mm-hmm. as to when you're starting. It's like you're about to go into sort of into battle with these guys when you're starting. On the bench, it's very much you watch the game, you pick up the pace of the game, you get energized by that pace. There's no point. There's no point when you're on the bench being sort of revved up, ready to fight because you know you might not be on for 40 minutes an hour, whatever it is, you can't be burning around that energy. Being on the bench and sort of, or as a sub, as an impact sub, you've got to be ready, but you've also got to be able to like, you've got to be able to control those emotions. So I knew I wasn't starting. I knew I knew I didn't have to worry about like the first kickoff or what my job was. It was a case of I've actually quite, quite enjoyed this. So looking around, I was like, this is unbelievable. What an experience. <laughs> awesome. So there you are. You've heard from Mr. Johnson. He's given you an insight into his rugby career. We're now moving into what I'm genuinely excited about this, this next phase. And I think Johnson is because he's, uh, he's good at his coaching work. So we're going we're gonna to get in depth about it. So one of the things that we've been discussing whilst we've been training recently is I'm 45. And what are you now, Johnson? 40. You're 40 now, you see. So I'm a lot older, right? Look here. <laughs> Thank you. It's your coaching, mate. Thank you. <laughs> So one of the things that we've been really sort of discussing quite heavily is living this kind of second half of our life and actually living it really well. Because I think up until even at this this point, 45, I think you're able to get away with trashing your body. I think there's a bit of it where you can go overboard, but there suddenly is this kind of realization, actually, you can't do that anymore. And I had that even just recently on a skiing trip over Christmas, had a huge night out. And the impact for me was a good couple of days. And I suddenly realized I was like, Plumridge, can't do that anymore. Got to make some changes. And the big thing from that is I think that other part, and we've discussed this a lot, it's like having that motivation. What is it that's going to make you make that change? And for me, my motivation was the children. It was very much focused on being fit for them because they're young, but also then suddenly realizing that being fitter in my older life is then going to enable me to live a much better life generally. So I know we've been sort of bringing us to the phrase, so the second half of your life, what do you think that looks like? I think before, I think when I was in rugby, it was very much, this is rugby, it's never going to end, sort of head in the sand a bit, a little bit. And coming out of it, there's a huge, for professional sports people generally, there's, there's a huge amount of anxiety 
and worry about what that future entails. Um, and I, I, I left, I left like that. I think I've probably been there. I've been on a personal, a, a fair or personal journey myself in terms of what what makes me tick. What do I want to be perceived at? What kind of father do I want to be? What kind of business person do I want to be? Um, and I was, I was sort of in the last six months or so started really thinking about actually I want to be enjoy be present and I really want to enjoy the now um, and look forward to the future rather than trying to get things everything lined up and almost like trying to put stave off and push away from that future going that's not it's not going to happen because mm-hmm. it's coming for everybody and it's can you be prepared for it and can you enjoy that journey all the way up to your all the way up to your deathbed mm-hmm. and I speak with yourself about it we, we, we talk a lot about what does that? What does you know? What does the last six months of your life look like now? What do you want them to look like? Um, because we can do something about that now. Do you know if you want if independence is if you if being fiercely independent is important to you, which is it's all that's what, that's what I want to be. I want to be. I don't like to be looked after. I want to be able to look after myself and look after the people around me. It's like, do I want that when I'm? 95, 100. Do you know what? By the time we get there, the, the technology that we're in at the moment, there's a huge op- there's a there's a huge possibility that we're going to be able to live way beyond that those mm-hmm. years because of the technology, the medicine that's coming out there. But what we decide to do now and tomorrow is going to have a direct impact on that future. Um, and by sort of nailing down what that future looks like, you can then start to plan and you can start to really enjoy the now going, I know what I'm doing this for. I know I'm going to go and enjoy some, some good food. I'm going to enjoy my training because the, when you're on a journey, if you, if you, there's a really good, um, there's a really good documentary out by George Ezra at the moment. He goes from, it's called end to end. And he goes on this big journey from Land's End to John O'Groats with his couple of mates. And he goes three months trek. It's fair play to him. And then he realizes when he gets to the end, when he gets to John O'Groats, there's quite a big anti-climax. Mm-hmm. And then he looks back and he's like, actually, when you look back on it, it's the it's the day-to-day, it's the step-by-step bit. That's where the enjoyment comes. Mm-hmm. The, enjoyment, the enjoyment comes in the here and the now, not not achieving goals. Yeah. And I think that's where I think that's where my big mind sh- my my big shift has, has taken me in the last, like I say, six months or so of not worrying what my what next year looks like it's enjoy the now knowing what knowing what i'm working towards because when you get there it's probably gonna be an anti-climax i think you're right i mean i look back at the moments that particularly like me and helen have had doing the ultras and going to china and things like that and actually when we even finished that event we sat there we had a beer and we went huh right we've done that it wasn't that hard actually but then we had a, the following day, we looked back at the five months mm. of training prior and the going out in the freezing cold yeah. rain, running through flood water, doing it, but continually doing it. That was the moments that enabled us yeah, together. They're, they're the moments that stick with you. They're the moments that build your resilience. Yeah, they give you that, um, they give that massive dopamine hit. It's, it's, it's hugely important to really enjoy those those moments and it's not just from a, a everyone talks about like a physical challenge when they're talking about goals mm. i've got i had a, f- a friend who's just sold a business his business and he's he sold it for millions of pounds right and and when he came to sort of hand it over 
I think he's expecting this massive euphoria, this massive like, oh my god, I've, I've made myself, I've, I've absolutely made myself alive. Don't have to worry about a thing for going forward. Everything's rosy, and he's like, this is the biggest anticlimax ever because mm-hmm. all I did was sign, sign, sign some papers, resign from my job, and that was it. And it's like that's because, and and actually, what he looks back on it is working with his partner to raise the profile of that company and grow that company to. 20x or whatever he did it um and those are the day those are the, those those are the times and those are the memories that he has he goes i really enjoyed that mm-hmm. not selling it getting it getting to that point in the day-to-day the stuff so it's interesting so when we then look at this this journey okay and i think we understand probably each other we're going to go on this journey together we're going to help each other go on that journey and there's that moment there do you think there's like pillars along this way so in order to do that what are the steps that you think we've got to look at? What are the areas that we've got to really look at to help us springboard this second half? Um, without doubt, it's we are aging, we are getting older, we are getting slower, we're getting weaker. For me, for me, I look at old people, I look at my grandparents, look at my, my parents, and I see uh, my mum fell over, she's 75, she fell over and broke her hip, she's not very active. You know, So there's things from a... Um, um, from a body point of view that we can look after. So weight training, resistance training, continuously being able to be active, not in a, you need to go smash yourself up in the gym kind of way, but you need to have a plan of like, right, what do, do I want to be able to get out of a chair when I'm 95, hundred years old? Okay. But what do I need? I need to be able to lift. I need to be able to lift my body weight when I'm 95. We know that we know that weights, the strength is going to drip off as we get older and older and older. So actually I need to be lifting X amount of kilos now to be able to be in a position to lift my body out of the chair when I'm when I when I'm old. Mm-hmm. Um, so training is definitely an activity is definitely out there, and it's whether it's whatever it is you enjoy doing, it's something you can stick to. It's really important. Um, then you go through everything. You go through yeah, go through your gut health. It's like well, actually, when we've spoken about a decision of going, well, I, I want to put things that are healthy into me. I want to do things that are going to aid my quality of life mm-hmm. so I can enjoy the now. And I think some of the people try to enjoy the now without putting in the groundwork to give them the, the base to really enjoy it. And enjoying doesn't mean necessarily going on the steam with your friends or, or you know, going away every weekend and living the high life. Sometimes the enjoyment is doing the getting up at five, uh, six o'clock and going to do a, a session in the rain or going to do a session when it's cold or an actual putting effort into cooking a meal or going food shopping to prepare yourself for the week. Once you get those sort of pillars in place and you can do them as part of your habit and then you can enjoy them because you know that your food's taken care of for the week. Mm-hmm. It's like, right, happy days. I'm going to get on and enjoy other things because if you, if you, by saying no to things, by going out on the, going on the lash or eating fast food, for example, you're saying yes to other options. So you're saying yes to better quality time with your friends and family because you can go on walks, you can, you can take part in things. Mm-hmm. So, we got, so we're looking at, right, okay, so we know it's the exercise. We know we've got to make some changes to our, our diet. Yeah. We obviously talk about sleep a lot. And this is something that I've got somebody coming on in a couple of weeks' time who's a sleep therapist. And for me, it fascinates me. Like Mr. Johnson has made me buy a whoop which is arriving this afternoon, which I'm very excited about. He's got his on got as we on. speak. And um, for those of you who don't know about Woot, Mr. Johnson, we'll tell you all about it very briefly. 
So what it is is a um, it's a body tracker, and you get it, you can get it on Apple Watches and stuff like that. But it basically um, helps you regulate your sleep. It tells you the quality of sleep that you've had, um, from and, and also your recovery rate. So you know that you can you're getting X amount of hours um, per night. How much of that is our um, REM? How many disturbances? How many disturbances you have during that night? And you can look back, and as soon as you like, as soon as you have like two or three drinks of alcohol, it massively affects the quality of your sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, how hydrated you are, how much exercise you've done has a huge impact on your sleep and the strain that your body is under. Yeah. Um, and what Whoop does really well is, do you know, with, with I'm a big fan of data, and the reason I'm a big fan of data is because we can, if we, with data, we can look back and see how we're doing mm-hmm. and we see if we're on that path to where we want to be or if we need to change something. Like if that Whoop is telling me every day I'm getting... 15% recovery and I'm, and I'm tired, I need to look at what's going on in my lifestyle that's making me, making me do that. People can't just go in and go, I'm going to start try to start sleep better. Uh, sleep better. To sleep better, you've got to work at sleep. It mm-hmm. takes like a bedtime routine. It takes consistency. It takes um, choices of going, actually, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be on my social media, as we all do, and I've done it and I still do it. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not perfect in any way, sense of shape or form, but... There's a choice, isn't there, between reading a book or um, or listening to a podcast or or being on your phone in terms of like scrolling through Instagram, and each one's going to have a, ma- a positive or negative effect on mm-hmm. that, that sleep for the night. But you wake up the next day and you've got more energy, you can do more things, and it's a, a sort of it's an evolving process that only gathers momentum. Mm-hmm. The more and more you practice it, and the more and more you do, and you get you get so much back. But it's very people people talk to me a lot about sleep they go what's what, what why is it about the sleep i said you've got to go through it to really understand it like i could bore you with i could bore you to tears with all the the science behind it but you you need to go and experience it to see if it impacts you mm. and when you do it and you do it properly it will impact you and you'll be amazed what you can do out the back of it and i think it's one of the things that certainly alongside the show and the things that we're doing for me I almost want to set people that kind of challenge to make Mm. those changes because actually I think out of all the things you can do by implementing a really good routine for sleep, the impact is just huge because I think a lot of people don't seem to realize that when you sleep and you sleep really well, that is when your body is regenerating cell growth it's when the neuroplasty part of your brain is starting to connect neurons again and again i love this is the thing about me and johnson we get into the this part of it but this is what i find fascinating because then you can so tell the difference when you wake up in the morning and particularly in the hydration because this is the one thing that i've tried to do i've tried to limit my hydration as i get to bed yeah but then my first thing as soon as i wake up is i neck like a pint of water almost two pints of water because actually you, you forget how much you dehydrate during the nighttime, which is quite often why you still wake up with that slightly groggy feel. But the difference is with not drinking alcohol, is you, as soon as you've had a glass of water, you kind of snap out of it pretty quick. And I think there's, a, there's something quite satisfactory about actually waking up and feeling like you've had a good night's sleep. Because certainly for me, from a business perspective, I know I'm on point and I can nail the day, and I, it doesn't really matter what comes in front of me. But, but you can like, you can link this through to business or 
homework or whatever, if you know that you've put in the work, you know, if you've prepared, mm-hmm. and sleep is all about preparation, so you're preparing for the day ahead by getting a good night's sleep. If you've got a big meeting and you've done no preparation, in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm going to have to try and black this, mm-hmm. you know, or God, I hope they don't ask this. But if you go into a business meeting and you're prepped and you're up to speed, you go in there confidently, mm-hmm. yeah, and you most likely um, exude confidence, um, come across really well and nail the pitch or the, the meeting or whatever it is. It's the same when you wake up with sleep, you feel you're like, right, I've, I've set myself up for a great day ahead. And it's a mindset rather than waking up going, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I just want to go back to bed. Straight away, you're off on that negative path where everything's an effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't cook, I can't cook my scrambled eggs or I can't, um, I can't walk the girls to, I can't take the kids to school today. I'm going to have to, I have to drive. And it's like you get to like 11 o'clock and you're hungry because you haven't eaten. It's all that downward spiral of having, of not having a decent night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the knock on effect it does for you from a mental side as well. I mean, the, the link between mental health and sleep is just undeniable. And there's so there's lots of papers out there. So, um, but it's really interesting about the, the quality of sleep and consistency of sleep, how it can put you in the right frame of mind to help you overcome. And I've, I've had huge, I've battled huge mental issues in my time. Um, and that's go, I wanted to sort of jump, jump back a little bit in terms of one of the, we talk about those pillars mm-hmm. is being able to reflect on childhood for myself and probably for yourself, but oh, what things have, what things have gone on that you can start to understand because child like the mental 50% of like um mental issues established by the age of 14 and i know i had huge childhood issues and dramas mm-hmm. and traumas that i'm just just starting to unpack myself so it's not just a question of looking forward you also got to appreciate what's happened before to see why you act like that to change your behavior with your children or behave how you your relationship with um friends or adults or whatever it is yeah. it's there's it's not as simple as are just going to move more, eat better, sleep better. You, there's there's a there's a lot more that goes into it, and it's I think it's fascinating because I think where you're kind of moving in terms of your business and how it's it's shifting into really focusing on children, and I think we've had this conversation. Like we, I've certainly between us, I've had this realization about the impact that my childhood had on me, and how it's then made me impact my own children and as a result of it i mean i've only got to think back to that conversation that we had which was seven weeks ago the change in this last seven weeks has been unbelievable and i can see it but i don't think that would have happened had we not probably had that conversation and really opened up and started to really nail those areas so it is as i think it's it's very exciting i think what you're doing looking at very young yeah mental health because i think we don't realize it i think every parent probably doesn't realize it no they don't they don't realize don't realize like when you're when children are particularly young they like their parents are their absolute idols mm-hmm. so that's where they we, we learn from i'm reading a really good book um at the moment by gave mate called myth of normal i probably said his name wrong um like hungarian canadian um psychologist or something like that and he's it's really interesting, like talking about um, the impact of parents on their children and what they see and what they copy. Um, and even to the state where, you know, and being guilty of it, we just arrange play dates. So actually, children want to play 
they, that, that means they learn from each other at that sort of really immature mm -hmm. age. Um, whereas actually they should be learning from us still because we're the ones with the, the better habits or the more maturity so they can see how things are, um, are handled rather than trying to figure, you know, if you've got two young ki kids running around together, they don't, they don't know how to interact necessarily together or how to be social or to be polite and things like that because they haven't been taught it. So mm -hmm. they need to be, children need to be around their parents as much as they're possible or the carers or whoever those, you know, those really close um those close adults are. And that's why one of the big reasons like focusing on um, schools is the impact teachers can have on the, and the impact that teachers do have on it. And I just think we're teachers are sort of absolutely unsung heroes with the work I've been carrying out about mm -hmm. the role that they can have, the influence they can have, because that work that parents and teachers can have on their children at that young age hugely impacts their outcome and yeah. their attainability and their prospects in later life. We mm -hmm. don't realize how, and I'm 40 years old and I've suddenly realized what I went experienced at school in particular. I might well have not got to where I got to playing rugby, but I might have flourished in other areas, but I had that op those opportunities sort of taken away from me and I, I am where I am, but I didn't without unpacking that and understanding what I went through emotionally. Um, there's no way I could further my journey going forward. And it is really interesting because, again, when you, you look at the teaching element at the minute and you look at what's going on, mm -hmm. where we are, and the, how they're all feeling as a, as a community of teachers, and you're right about being an unsung hero because the thing I always look back on for me is you never forget the teachers' names, but you never forget the teachers that really had an impact on you at a very young age yeah. and and I'm I'm always really fascinated by that but I can always remember conversations and, and for me the school I went to which was a typical kind of comprehensive um, and Mrs Hill I always remember her taking me aside and just telling me very very straight she was like Plumbridge if you don't buck up your ideas right you're going to end up and you're going to end up like one of those people you really don't want to be and she was pretty straight and I went right what does that mean and she was like but you've got like you like nice shoes you like a certain kind of lifestyle and she was really strong she was like you won't achieve it and I was like oh okay and I remember going home and telling my mum that this is what she said and my mum was like good on you Mrs Hill thank you ever so much and I and it was really weird because I literally started to really think about how I was going to behave in school and my last three years I did it I worked I think as hard as i I possibly could have to achieve some better mm. grades than I would have done had I not had that yeah. kick in the ass. And, and I think you're right. I think we're teaching something we need to do more, you know, I think we need to, I think we need to appreciate them and the job they do with mm -hmm. their sort of hands sort of tied behind their back half, half the time and the stresses and the well-being that they suffer. It's like, we're trying to, we're trying to, we want the children of our well-being to be the number one priority because uh, again, the stats out there, Children that sleep more, that are active, that drink more, you know, that eat fruit and veg that aren't that aren't hyped up on sugar or monster drinks. They their attainment and their um, their prospects are so much more. And it's all about real, 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 sort of realizing your potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's part of this sort of second half. Is I don't necessarily think I've reached my potential yet, which I think is exciting because I want to be like. That, that to me is like there's more opportunity, right? I can do more. Yeah. Um, and that's been a mind shift rather than sort of seeing out your days. It's like 
I'm going to go forward. I, I want to I want to put one foot in front of the other and achieve things, mm-hmm. not just sit back and happy with what I've done previously. It, there's got to be more, and, that, and that's what I'm sort of determined to find and out. And that is, um, I think that's also something that is hugely exciting when you get to this phase because I think you're right. I think it's very easy to just get. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick with the business. Like it is. Yeah, I think it's very easy to do that. But actually, I think there's, this is the wonderful thing about getting older is that you suddenly, I don't know what it is. It's just like there's some weird pivotal moment that yeah. suddenly wakes you up and goes, right, you're either going to make this this move or this is it. And it's not going to look pretty. And actually, there's something also really empowering about mm. that, that actually I can be incredible. I think I can be fitter and stronger now than I ever was at my younger age. Like a hundred percent. Well, that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's that. And, and, and again, I think that's what we're going to kind of really advocate over these coming weeks and months is exactly that. Right. So, okay. So we know we've got this kind of strategy. So we know that we've got to look at like our training and our fitness. We know we've got to look at like our food. Okay. So whatever we put in us, again, we have this great thing about now where we look at whether you eat something and it's for health or you eat something that's for disease which is obviously kind of a great way of, it's a bit hardcore, and we thought it was quite hardcore, but actually what it does, it definitely makes you step up and think. We've then also got the sleep, so we're focusing on making changes Mm. there. We're then going to focus on our our wellness and our mental health there. Where else do you think we need to go then with that? I mean, is 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 that four kind of, is that enough, or is that like another area? No, I think this, I think, I think where people can go a little bit awry with it all is they think they need to sort everything at once. And we've spoken about this and you've been guilty of it. And I'm, de- I'm definitely guilty of it mm. is there's got to be an action. You got to, there's got, there's not a case of like take sleep. For example, I'm a, what's my action? How am I going to sort it? It doesn't need to be a ground. It doesn't need to be groundbreaking. We're not asking you to so go on, like be a keto zealot or we're not asking you to, train four hours a day and things like that it's what can i do that's realistic that i'm going to action because mm-hmm. uh, i read a fantastic quote the other day it's like insanity insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result mm-hmm. we've got to change we've got to take some form of action and there's got to be a buy into it there's got to be there's got to be like if i change a small thing do i expect to see results in a day do I expect to see them in like a week? Like what time? What like what time frame do I? What am I prepared to put in? Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind that every action that there's a reaction. So the more the more action I put into it, the more effort I put into it, the quicker you'll see the results. Mm-hmm. But but I want to see some action, and I want people to buy in to go in. Go look at the science. Go look at the reviews. That they're, they're, they're everywhere. Go and talk about. Go and look at the importance of getting sleep or the importance of, you know, with 65% water, the importance of staying hydrated, the importance of moving, getting off your desk and going, right, you know, today I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to see if I can get out of, up, up from my desk five times. Yesterday I did it twice or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's put actions together. Let's track that and let's see if we can improve that. And that's that collective thing that I think we've always discussed, which is, those little tiny micro changes, they actually add 
And they give you huge impact when you collectively put them all together. Because I always think, I mean, for me, I always take it from a salon perspective. You know, mm. we come back in January and everybody's got this view about being, you know, dry January. And if it's not dry January, it's I'm going to lose some weight and I'm going to do this. And I always think, you know, resolutions are crap because basically nobody ever carries them out. But by picking just a few areas and again, really working and actioning on it, you can have incredible gains and just in every area. I think, yeah, I think, I think timing, the the, the body, the body does not know that it's like December or January or whatever. It doesn't care what month it is. It's, I've never, never done the, um, never done the new year, new year, new me, that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. I just, I think we're worth, I think as individuals we're worth so much more. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's not like I've got to wait till Monday before I can exercise. It's Thursday. I won't start, I won't start this to Monday. So we're just pushing things back. Do you know, we're just putting up those barriers that go, oh, I want to do this when I'm comfortable. It's let's do something now. Let's do something in half an hour. Let's do something in an hour that's going to improve my mood. Let's get a plan together. Let's get a, find out that why. What does what's going to drive you? We all it's, we all know what we need to do, but mm-hmm. there's got to be that motivation of why we're doing it. Whether it is I want to be independent when I'm older. Whether and so you you have like short term goals, lot medium term goals, long term goals, and you need to really start sketching those out and then working back from the long term goals, and it'll lead you to going. Do you know what? Like this, 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 this month, for example, um, Jess and I, just my, my wife, were trying to walk eighteen miles over the course of the weekends because we know not because we, we're worried about how many miles we're going to clock up, because actually, from a mental space, we're much happier when we're out in the malls, and our relationship is so much better. Our week starts off in amazing. Mm-hmm. We're just we're so much more proactive when we know we've sort of got a big dose of fresh air and amazing views and and a little bit of walking to us. Now it doesn't actually matter how many miles I've walked, right? It's just, it's just, it just means that I'm going to spend time with my family outside. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, I think that's also been a big realization for more people than ever that, and I see it obviously where we are living by the beach, being in nature, you know, the point is, is that for most of us now we need to be, out of our homes, out of our offices, and in nature. And there's that simple thing, isn't there? We've started to recommend it to the team because of how we work. You know, we're very fortunate that we're surrounded by beautiful farmland and there's some lovely walks here. Very much go outside, go and have a 10-minute walk, get some fresh air because the impact is huge. And again, I really felt that coming and being in the mountains, suddenly realizing that I'm just this little tiny speck. And everything it is, else around it's, me. It's about this, but about putting things in perspective. Um, and another, another great, um, another sort of great book about how well, we're talking about habits here, trying mm-hmm. about forming habits is that the James Clear Atomic Habits Atomic book. Habits, yeah. Uh, it's a great book, but what I, what I love about it is being um, so born in Germany, and I've always thought tried to be as efficient as possible. I love the German efficiency. I think they're brilliant. Right? It's like right, how many? How many, if you go out for a walk, how many things, how many good well-being things are you ticking there? It's like what time with family. We want to be social time with friends. There's a tick. You're getting your steps up. You're getting your exposure to the sunlight. You're getting, um, you're declucking your mind. You're getting t- time away from screen time. All of a sudden, 
you know, you've probably ticked off, I don't know, five to seven things of positive actions. Mm-hmm. We talk about actions, right? Suddenly you're like, oh, I'm winning. Absolutely. That half an hour walk, that hour walk, I've done all this. You sit back and you get the, that big dopamine hit because you've gone out. You put yourself into a um, a situation where you had to put effort in. So that's where the dopamine. So dopamine, you can get dopamine from like going through um, social media or having sugar. So some real quick dopamine hits. But every dopamine hit that you get, there's a there's a reaction. So you get a big you get a big downturn afterwards. But if you go for that downturn first, which is actually the effort, mm-hmm. you get a big upregulation and dopamine hit off the back of it, and that's where that's where the beauty is. And it's so funny because I just I'm sorry, just in my brain, I was just thinking about something I read a little while ago, and they were talking about um, dog owners on their phones whilst they're walking their dogs, and how. <laughs> The mental health of dogs is being affected <laughs> because <laughs> their owners aren't present. Yeah, exactly. But actually, I see it. You know, when you were talking, I was just thinking, God, I see that so often mm. that people are just walking on their head down, head down, dogs off. They're not interested in the dog, and the dog is genuinely like, why, why are you not interested in me? That funny that is. That's really. That's really quite sad as well because that's what we do with our kids. Yeah, and this is where and I've I, I realized like six, a, a year ago I was like, oh my god, I'm spending time with my kids. I'm in the same room as them, right? I am not focused on my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm worried about what emails coming through, what WhatsApp messages, scrolling through, whatever. It's like I. You need to be present with the children. Yep. Yeah, you've got to be present in that situation to, to get the full benefits of it. And to be honest with you, if your dog, if your dog walking, right, you're actually walking, and I'm like, that's, I, I, so there's, there's a benefit there, but you could be doing so much more by being interactive with your dog, by actually being present with your dog, by yep. building those relationships. And, like, we got, we're a, we're a society which is just based on convenience, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what what we're portraying to our children comes back to that whole, we are the role models. If they just see us sit around on the phone, what's that, what's that going to be for them? When we tell them to, oh, you're not allowed your iPad or whatever, they're like, well, you're, you're constantly on your phone. We've got to set that example yeah. for, for our youngsters and for our family and for people around. And it's really interesting because Helen, um, this is my wife, for those of you that are just joining us, um, She's just reading this book at the minute, written by a guy. I've just taken a picture of it called Johan Harry, and it's called The Stolen Focus, and it's basically about why you can't pay attention. Mm. And honestly, she's been reading it now for, I think it's like the third day, fourth day, and every day she keeps reading me little pieces from it. Every day she gives me a little piece, and you suddenly realize this is the problem. Our phones, our laptops, our iPads, all these other things, because you get everything when you want it. It's like Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime, you get it right now. It's instant Take gratification. Voice. Yeah, massively. And it's the more you, you know, you suddenly start to realize that actually the less time you spend on your phone and the more time that you spend present in it, the impact is huge. We and talk, I wonder what that change is going to be. Well, we talk, yeah, but we talk about, you know, we've spoken about like the journey you're on mm. and to enjoy the moment that the phone is taking away that enjoyment in the moment and you don't realize that you're doing it. Yeah. It's like, I, I enjoyed sitting playing Charles Uno with my like four, four year old because it's, it's just me and her mm-hmm. and there's, I'm not on my phone and she enjoys it. And actually I've, I've, got, I've learned so much more about my children by being present. And I don't, 
I don't get it right all the time. And when work's stressful, you know, it's the first thing I, I start, I'll, be, I'll be there on my phone. But I just try to enjoy the journey more. Like mm-hmm. if there's if there's emails to reply to, there's work to be done. It's like I could take half an hour of my day, go and walk and get my girls from school. I'm doing that more often than, than I've ever done. And I'm also being probably kinder to myself in the sense that, do you know what, even if I did all the work that I needed to do, there's still going to be this mountain of work that I need to do tomorrow. The work is always going to be there. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to, it's not like I'm working to clear my desk so I can free up space to go and do this. Work's always going to be there. It's like what, but you're missing the missing the point then mm-hmm. and there, and that's why that's probably my big biggest realization. And I think I think the same was in rugby. Like I was like, I didn't don't think I enjoyed the journey. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, like think properly. I I don't think I enjoyed the day to day training and the day to day camaraderie as much as I could have, because it was all all about the weekend, all about the game. Looking forward, what's the season? Right, it's like, yeah, we're doing well, but it's like really enjoy my teammates, really enjoy the culture that we've sort of bought into. Um, and that, but that's, what, that's what's so exciting in the second half. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I think? It's all, I, I think it's genuinely all to play for. I yeah, yeah. It. No, I love that. And I love that line as well, because I think that's, you know, certainly for me, you know, I've looked at it within, within our salon business, mm. because now I want it to be about my team. I'm, I'm all focused about it being the team, the family that we've got, <laughs> and how they can grow. And all I want to do is help support them. But I want to enjoy every day that I'm working within it. But you, but also as like a, as a leader and a boss, it's like we've spoken about being vulnerable mm. because actually we've got, to, like, we've got to be honest with ourselves, which is why you've got to look back and, and be honest with yourself. And being vulnerable, I think, is a huge strength as a, as a leader to show that, no, I'm not, we're not, per- you're not perfect. You know, there's flaws I've got weaknesses. I need, I need, I need your support. I can't do this on my own. But this is how we're gonna. This is how we're gonna do it. I want your, I want your input. Let's let's go as a team mm-hmm. and get that 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 buy-in because it means they can be they can be vulnerable and you can actually get to know your team better. Yeah. And then from that, you can then, you know, they can trust you further. If they go, if they come to you for advice, you can go. Well, this is what we think we should you should be doing. They're going to buy into that advice. They're going to more likely action that advice. And it comes back to actioning those small steps to make that change. Otherwise, Massive. otherwise we're stuck in that insanity ring. Exactly. Exactly. So, Tom, I always like to finish the shows with what we class as like the final five, right? Yeah. So, um, biggest learning 2022. Concentrate on the now. Concentrate on the Definitely. now. Love that. Love that. Um, first thing you do in the morning. Last thing you do before you go to bed. First thing in the morning, I'm, up, I'm an early riser, so I get up at sort of five thirty. So it's, try to turn the alarm off as, as quickly as possible, rather than waking the wife. <laughs> it's definitely not Boosh. worth waking the wife. No, definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and last thing at night, um, well, we're just <laughs> we're just uh, doing sort of nighttime training with my four year old. So it's like pot. It's like last thing at night is. Go up and put my uh, little one on the potty. Oh, so really? that's quite fun at the moment. <laughs> but generally speaking, I try and read. I try and read a book and normally doze off after about a couple of pages. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of quite nice that little gentle sleep. Yeah. Um, favorite piece of advice. Worst piece of advice. Um, best bit of advice is all about the people and trust and your team. And when you get that, it's a very special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure about the. the worst piece of advice but i think just 
taking advice from bad people mm -hmm. generally. I don't. I think there are bad people out there, and when you recognise them, they shouldn't really be taking too much advice for them. Yeah, I love that. I was, it's like I think uh, we discussed. I think a similar point a little while ago, and we said about you know if you were you know having issues in your marriage, you wouldn't go and chat to somebody that had been maybe divorced like three or four times. You know, <laughs> you'd want like, somebody who's got a really strong, healthy relationship. I think. Yeah, I think for my. With my, my my background, I wanted coaches that or, or conditioning staff that I'd known, and I know this very much in the military. It's like they they've gone through it. Mm -hmm. I want to be. I want people to help me that have gone through it, or yeah. you know that I really trust because they've been to where I'm trying to go to. Mm -hmm. So they can back it up. Yeah, they've got the knowledge, they've got the skills. Well, they're asking you to do things that they do themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you what, that's a massive pillar within the business as well. I really noticed that. Um, one thing you can't live without? Sleep. I am terrible without sleep. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, just I cannot, cannot function. Um, the night after a night out, I'm t terrible. Next day, it's just like dead. So there you are. Sleep. And then one rule that you think we should all abide by? Being probably, well, maybe two, being accountable to yourself, to the person in the mirror. That's the person that counts. Don't try and sort of be someone, someone that you're not because of social media or what friends and things like that. Just be that person that you want to be. When you, if you're happy with that person in the mirror, then things are, things, are, things are probably on the right path. And if you're not, then let, change it. Take action and change it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, Tom? Thoroughly enjoyed it. I know you've got to go. I've got to go. Uh, it's been an incredible show today. Where can people find you if they want to chat to you or continue with you more? So I'm on LinkedIn um, under Tom Johnson 06, and I'm just about to launch my wellbeing platform uh, called Plus, and that is info at plus-org, uh, plus-ed.org. So um, we're just running a, a three-month pilot at the moment, which is which we'll be good to talk to you about later. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for joining me today. All of uh, Tom's contact details will be in the show notes. Uh, thank you for joining us on Hair Life. And next time, we look forward to seeing you. Ciao.